Welcome to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester. And on today's show, I've got producer J.P. Gale by my side. Say hello, Mr. Producer. How's it going, Bobby? It's going great, and our guest for today is Greg Smith of 2QBs.com. If you want to check out this site, it's brand new this season, and he just posted a great article on quarterback analysis over the past few seasons, so you'll definitely want to check that out. The site is 2QBs.com. That's T-W-O-Q-B-S. We'll be chatting about some training camp headlines, running through two mock drafts together, talking about both bounce-back candidates and regression candidates, and, of course, hitting up some trivia. Before we jump into the show, I want to ask you guys again briefly, please help out the podcast to get our feet on the ground by subscribing on iTunes and leaving us a quick rating. I really appreciate the people who already took 30 seconds to do this for the show. And also, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I can be found at Bobby Fantasy Pro. All right, JP, ready for some fantasy football? I am ready. Let's go. Here we go. joined by greg smith of 2qbs.com and if you want to follow greg on twitter he can be found at greg sauce hey greg how was your weekend uh it was very good bobby thank you for having me on it's it's good to be here we're we're very glad to have you so greg one of my biggest pet peeves just happened just happened i was setting up for the podcast and i put three cords on top of one another they were all untangled no worries Came back 10 seconds later, and all three cords were tangled in like 85 places. How in the world does this happen? I think it's gremlins or gnomes, depending (laughs) upon where you live. Well, I have thought about this a bunch of times, and every time I think, okay, the next time I put cords on top of one another, I'm going to record it in slow-mo to see what happens. But I always forget. So maybe one of you guys can figure this out for me. Maybe it is gremlins or gnomes. I'm not sure, but I absolutely hate it. Greg, do you have like a big pet peeve? A oh, big pet peeve. Um, un, uh, how do I want to put this? Uh, I, I, they're just bad drivers. Bad drivers are the ones who piss me off. But the people who are very unaware of their surroundings as they drive, there's nothing that pisses me off more than someone who's just kind of puttering along in the fast lane. And I, I, I do drive a little aggressively. That's my own fault. But at the same time, it's like you got to be paying attention to what's going on around you, right? Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Bad drivers, I feel like that's like one of the most common ones, but there's a reason for cliches. Like, they're the most common things, you know? Absolutely. Um, I have so many pet peeves. I, I could do an entire podcast every single day about about my pet peeves. I could just go on and on. Um, <laughs> but anyway, let's move on to fantasy football. There hasn't been a ton of news since the last podcast aired, but there have been a few knickknack injuries and some hype surrounding certain players. So let's take a look at some of the training camp hint training camp headlines. Greg, can you give us a, your quick take on a few of these circumstances? Uh, the first of which Adrian Peterson just tweaked his hammy and we all know he's getting up there in age. So one player who's really talented and I've always loved Jarek McKinnon, the backup running back there in Minnesota. So if AP does go down at some point, what kind of player do you think McKinnon's going to be? I mean, he has top five running back upside if Adrian Peterson isn't playing. I mean, we, we know that that age cliff has been approaching for AP for a long time. Uh, that offensive line in Minnesota has been improved over the offseason. Um, and, you know, McKinnon's skill set really meshes 
with what Bridgewater does, you know, yeah. shotgun heavy approach. Like th there's a lot of opportunity for him there in that offense. The only problem is that Peterson is so entrenched as this, you know, one of the greatest running backs of all time. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out through the season. I've been drafting McKinnon a lot in the later rounds, uh, probably overdrafting him at times kind of banking on that Adrian Peterson injury, but but I like him a lot this year. Yeah, I definitely think he's a good investment. Um, and, you know, AP is a freaking nature, so the injury is probably not going to happen. So if he does, I, I'll be glad to have McKinnon on all my teams, even if he's not a handcuff for, for AP. So, yeah, and he, ha he has upside, you know, even with AP there, he's going to have yeah. a little bit of play out of the uh, backfield as a receiver. AP has never been very good at that. And, um, I mean, JP, I hear you're a Vikings fan. Do you have anything to add on that? <laughs> Well, I'd, I'd just say that, like, this is probably the best thing to happen for Adrian Peterson because I know he hates training camp. So he'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll milk this injury up until maybe even the start of the regular season. I agree with everything you guys are saying. Like, McKinnon is better in that shotgun offense. But uh, I'll just echo what you said earlier in that Peterson is – he's one of the greatest of all time, and they're going to give him work regardless. So uh, – I like McKinnon as a backup, but I, I don't think I'd be concerned at all about this injury if I was an Adrian Peterson owner. Of course. Uh, so we all know Devontae Freeman was the big dog last year, but still people are calling for Devin Coleman to take over the job. And it doesn't help that he's absolutely shredding up Falcons training camp. Is it ridiculous to think there could actually be a running back battle with the top scoring back in football from last year? I mean, no, they drafted Coleman to do that right yeah. i mean he was always supposed to be involved in that sort of capacity and Devonte freeman just had such an amazing year last year that coleman never really got the chance i mean i still think freeman is hashtag the guy for what he offers to them out of the backfield you know as a pass catcher um but you know tevin is going to get a lot more carries this season and he's a fine handcuff type if not just a, a good speculative play in the middle rounds i'm really interested to see what happens here because you know, with what happened with Devontae Freeman next year, obviously he's a great catch passing back, but I almost wonder if so much of it has to do with the Falcons' really improved offensive line. And it's kind of like the Cowboys situation where, you know, DeMarco Murray can leave and, and Darren McFadden steps in and ends up being a great running back, um, you know, in the weeks that he was the running back for the Cowboys. I wonder if Coleman could step in and maybe do an even better job than Freeman, be the, be the running back one this year. I mean, the thought is that he's going to be better between the tackles right out of the gate. And that yeah. is a big, you know, um, you know, feather in his cap, per se, you know. Well, speaking of the Falcons, Matt Ryan said they're going to score 30 points per game this year. Is this just QB speaker? Does he really believe it? I mean, he has to believe it. He has to want that. Right. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, they'll probably have some 30 point games. But who's catching passes there besides Julio Jones? I, I mean, I don't hate Muhammad Sanu. I don't hate Jacob Tammy, but. That's just not the type of offense that's built to to score 30 a game. It's not pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm in agreement here. I, I don't think this is realistic. Matt Ryan has always had plenty of hype behind him. And now I feel like it's he's post hype. Um, you know, the Falcons offense might be uh, improved this year. I mean, remember, they started six and oh last year and then they uh, ran into some injuries and Devontae Freeman uh, went cold. But I think this Falcons offense does have a lot of potential. Now, saying 30 points per game or the top offense in football, that's really stretching it. Yeah, I do think Matt Ryan's very undervalued from a fantasy perspective. Uh, we had J.J. Zacharyson on our podcast a while back, um, talking two quarterback leagues for the most part. But uh, we, we both identified Matt Ryan for him as like a good late round QB target. And for us as a good kind of solid QB two for uh, two quarterback leagues. I think he's being a little undervalued uh, just based on the bad year he had in 2015. Yeah. 
So Coach Peterson of the Eagles said Zach Ertz is going to be a huge weapon for them in the red zone. Do you think he takes a big leap this season? No, I don't <laughs> short, either. <laughs> short answer. I think the Ertz hype is a little is gone a little too far. I, I mean, they want to use him more in the red zone. That's great. How often are they going to be in the red zone? No one has any idea. That offense could be a complete train wreck. Yeah. We, we don't know yet. Um, I, I like that he is like one of those bigger receivers that they can use in those packages. But you know, Jordan Matthews is pretty big too. Like they're going to have a lot of opportunity to to throw to other people. And I, I, whenever I hear a coach say this, this early in the preseason, it's like, why would they reveal this sort of information at all? If they (laughs) really want to use him around the red zone, wouldn't they want it to be a surprise Wouldn't they want him to come out of nowhere. And instead they're just telegraphing this plan, quote unquote, to say that, Oh yeah, we're going to use Ertz down there. So make sure you cover Ertz when we get to the goal line. (laughs) It, It all sounds like BS to me. Yeah. I'm not buying it either. I, uh, I think it's one of these cases where, Ertz finished the game with th- or finished the season last year with three really strong games, and everyone thinks, well, if he just continues that, but you know he didn't do it all of last season. There's a reason he didn't do it, and they've got a quarterback battle. So I don't think he's gonna, even going to take one step forward, let al- let alone a giant leap. Yeah, that offense is is kind of a stay away for me. I, I just think in general with Ertz, it's more an issue of the fact that tight end is so deep. I, I don't want to yeah. pay tight end ten prices for him when I could wait, you know, two more rounds and get the tight end 15. And I really don't feel like I lose that much value in the draft when I do that. One guy that I'm really buying into the hype for is Sammy Coates, and he's continuing a great offseason here for the Steelers. Do you think he's going to finish up the season second on Steelers for targets? That's a really good question. And I want to say yes, but I have a feeling this is going to become one of those New Orleans, New England type of offenses where, you know, there are one or two guys that get most of the targets and then the rest of the guys kind of piecemeal the rest together. So Sammy Coates could get the second most targets, but it won't be anywhere close to what Antonio Brown is getting. Yeah. And it should be relatively close to what, you know, Ladarius Green, Marcus Wheaton uh, and everyone else is getting. Like, I, I like Coates a lot. I'm with you. I think that he's definitely the highest upside play of all those guys. I mean, Ladarius Green, you know, plays a different position. That's a different story. But um, I do think Coates is the best value of those non-Antonio receivers in Pittsburgh. That's a good way to put it. I love his value. I'm taking him in virtually every draft, and uh, you may see that tonight in the uh, next segment coming up, which we'll get to here in a second. Um, but first, I've always been so high on Christine Michael. <laughs> you and the, everyone else. Yeah, out with the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> Last year, when the Cowboys picked him up, I was so excited. I mean, you just look at the guy. He looks like a Hall of Famer. He's one of the most athletic big backs in football. And apparently the Seahawks have been really impressed with him so far. With the two top backs there battling injuries that they're bouncing back from, is it feasible that Michael could sneak in and steal the job? Is it feasible? Yes. But, I mean, we've heard this story so many times before. (laughs) I keep getting burned, man. I know. And we keep on going back. It's so weird. Like, usually if a guy burns the fantasy community once – uh, you know, some people will forgive him. But when when you burned the fantasy community as many times as Christine Michael has, I don't understand why anybody still wants It's like it just to be contrarian more than anything else, it feels like that backfield is still super crowded. They have, a, I mean, there are injuries uh, to some of the guys like Rawls um, and oh, who's the other guy who's injured right now? Help me out. Uh, that rookie. What's his name? Uh, Procise or Collins? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Procise. They do have injuries to Rawls and Procise, but Alex Collins is there, too. I, it just feels like a timeshare waiting to happen. Uh, I, I think that, you know, the price was low enough before on Christine Michael, but now that he's getting, you know, this hype in the news that he might break out again, uh, <laughs> <laughs> then his price is probably going to go up too high to a point where I don't want to take him. So the word out of New Orleans is that Michael Thomas, the rookie wide receiver, is a freak of nature. 
do you see him surpassing Corey Coleman and Sterling Shepard and all those other guys as the rookie wideout of the year? I don't. And and this is similar to what we talked about with, with Coates earlier in that yeah. there are just too many receivers there. And not just too many receivers. That that offense is built to spread the ball around uh, with the Saints. And Drew Brees doesn't tend to play favorites. He just finds the open guy. And if that guy happens to be Michael, Michael Thomas for a game, great. But it's going to be really hard to predict those weeks. Uh, he, he makes him a good best ball play, but I don't really like him for weekly fantasy. He's one of these players that, you know, Tristan Cockroft of ESPN, he puts together this list of studs, stiffs, and start-worthy players. And I feel like Michael Thomas is going to be one of those guys. Sure, he's going to have two or three stud weeks, and so his his end-of-the-season stats might wind up pretty good. But for the most part, he's going to be a stiff. He's only going to get a couple receptions, a couple yards, um, maybe a touchdown here and there. But the way Drew Brees spreads the ball around, I'm keeping Michael Thomas off my teams because I don't trust to start him. I mean, the upside is there. I, I just yeah. think we're seeing the hype for Thomas, but we're also seeing the hype for Willie Sneed and for Kobe Fleener. It just can't work out for all those guys. Some of them are going to have to be busts. And for the most part, when you're trying to project that stuff, it definitely pays to bet against the rookies because yep. there's a steep learning curve when you enter the NFL, and he's going to have to deal with that. And that, that's a complicated offense, too. And finally, Andre Johnson was signed by the Titans. He was, uh, you know, he was a top 40 pre-draft prospect last year. Um, but this year, it's a totally different story. Is there any chance he's even going to be fantasy relevant with all those wideouts in Tennessee? I don't think so. I thought he looked washed up two years ago, and then last yeah. year just proved it to me. I, I I want no part of Andre Johnson. I think maybe from like a coaching perspective, this helps the other Titans receivers. But if he's siphoning any number of targets, it just hurts everybody. Primarily, you know, the the big middle of the field guys like DGB. Yeah, DGB, Richard Matthews, who I mentioned last week, I'm really high on. Delaney Walker broke out and was spectacular last year. I don't think there's any room for Andre Johnson to get targets. Yeah, it feels like more of a um, an organizational move uh, just to kind of ha- have some like a, a veteran there to, to help the younger guys along. Okay, well, now we're on to my favorite tool on the Fantasy Pros site. In fact, I always dreamed for a tool like this and ended up finding Fantasy Pros because of this. Uh, the rest is history, obviously, because uh, here I am doing the Fantasy Pros podcast, and the tool is Draft Wizard. If you haven't used it, please pause the show after I give the breakdown and hop on over and do the segment with us. It's going to be a blast. You guys can compete against us. Uh, Greg and I, what we're going to do, we're going to go through a 12-team, 12-round mock draft, and it's going to be lightning quick. It's not going to be like over on ESPN where you've got those turds you're drafting against in the mock drafts that take so many turds. first overall. Yeah, and 11-year-olds that talk trash with every pick. Instead, we're going to be drafting against our pool of over 100 experts, and Greg and I are both going to start with a second pick. We're going 12 teams, and our positions are going to be one QB, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, one flex, and four bench. And at the end of the draft, Wizard is going to grade out our teams, and the winner is going to be the Peyton Manning of fantasy football, while the loser is going to be Ryan Leaf. Are you ready to go, Greg? I don't know if I can handle that Ryan Leaf label, so I'm going to have to try my hardest here. <laughs> all right. Well, are you all set up with uh, with the positions here? I believe so, yes. Great. Let's jump into it. What are you looking at for your first pick here? Well, let's see. Running back, wide receiver, tight end. That was what I used. It was, uh, it was already there, so that's why I used it. All right. So it looks like Julio Jones went first overall. I'm going wow. to take Antonio Brown. Yeah, that that seems like a uh, a gimme. I can't believe Antonio Brown fell to you. I've never seen that before. <laughs> fell, fell one spot. I've seen it. I mean, it happens. I, I've Who? done a bunch of practices because I don't want to be Ryan Leaf. 
and I've never seen Antonio Brown not go. Well, he went in my draft, and uh, I'm taking Julio Jones, but I also really like DeAndre Hopkins over Odell Beckham Jr., um, so I'm taking Julio Jones. He's my number two pick. Uh, so here we go on to the second round. It looks like uh, Chalk was pretty much taken here. My top option is Mark Ingram, Doug Baldwin, Brandon Marshall. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over to our pick predictor, and that's, uh, I believe, one of the premium features that we have here. And it's going to tell me Keenan Allen is my top guy. I only have a 50% chance that he's going to make it back around to me with my next pick. So I'm going to make sure and add Keenan Allen to make sure he doesn't get picked. Who are you taking here in the second round? I'm looking at a similar board. Keenan Allen, Brandon Marshall, uh, Eddie Lacy, and C.J. Anderson are the top of the running back ranks. So with that, I'm actually going to follow you here. I'm going to take Keenan Allen as well. Excellent. Well, Brandon Marshall did fall to me, uh, and I really like Brandon Marshall. I mean, if you take a lot of people think he's over the hill, but if you take out his 2014, his season last year with 1,500 yards and 109 receptions, that's right in place with what he's done for his career. So I'm sure he was just dealing with some injury that he didn't reveal. Uh, but Brandon Marshall, he's the same same old dog that he has been in the past, and there's a reason he just challenged Antonio Brown for his car. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that, but he said, Antonio Brown, if I beat you this season, I want your I want your sweet ride, and if you beat me, you can have my ride. Uh, so he's real confident. I'm taking Brandon Marshall, but I also really like Sammy Watkins, and it's very unlikely he's not going to make it to me. Um, but bear in mind, I do love Sammy Watkins. The injury concerns with Sammy Watkins are, are an issue for me. I'm, yeah. I, it, the reports have been positive, but I do not trust him to start the season 100% healthy. Uh, he's available for me here, too, along with Marshall, but I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to take Demarius Thomas. I think that you know the quarterback situation there can't be a whole lot worse than it was last year. Good point. Uh, and, and that leaves us um, with, with a pretty good floor for Demarius, in my opinion. I'm really not liking what I see here in round four. Uh, I've got Latavius Murray at the top of my board, and I'm not so sure if he's going to keep getting carries. He just doesn't seem like a workhorse type of guy. Then I've got the QBs, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck. I've got Drew Brees a couple spots down. Uh, my top wide receiver is Eric Decker. Uh, what I'm going to do here is I'm – this is weird for me. I've never drafted Russell Wilson in this spot, but I'm going to draft Russell Wilson. And the reason why, there's only been one player – that's been a top five fantasy quarterback each of the past two seasons. And it's Russell Wilson. In fact, he was top three each of the last two seasons. He's still young enough that he might get better. I think that they've uh, improved themselves on the offensive line, which is really going to help him. And he's going to keep running the ball. So I'm taking Russell Wilson here. Who do you have? Well, I like the Wilson pick. I, I mean, this is too early for me to jump on quarterback, but Wilson is you know not a bad option if you're in this spot. Um, if you go over to two QBs, there's been a, there was a really good profile on him by Anthony Amico. I encourage you all to check that out. Um, I'm kind of stuck here wishing I'd take a running back with one of my first three picks. They dried up a little faster than I thought. Um, I think I'm probably going to keep waiting there. Uh, but you know, I, I don't have a whole lot else to do. I think I could jump on a wide receiver and that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do here. I'm going to take Dante Moncrief. He's getting hyped up and I'm buying. Uh, I think that the Colts <laughs> are going to throw a lot this season. I think that Andrew Luck's going to have a great year and Moncrief is going to be instrumental in that. So he's who I'm taking. I'm in the same boat as you. I took three wide receivers to start and then Russell Wilson. So I need a running back and I need one bad. I don't like Jeremy Hill because I think Giovanni Bernard is just as talented and they're going to keep sharing. I'm not a big believer in Jonathan Stewart. He's just getting old. I don't think he's going to keep it up. And I don't trust any Patriots running back. So I'm avoiding Deion Lewis. Now I kind of want to reach for Ryan Matthews. 
and I really would like to reach for Delaney Walker because Draft Wizard says I'm probably not going to get him on the on the way back around, but I really need a running back this time around, so I'm just going to take Ryan Matthews. And uh, I do like Ryan Matthews, but I don't like his value here that much. I mean, you look at what he did in uh, yards per carry last year, and, and he was very good. Uh, but, you know, he has dealt with three concussions, so I've got my concerns about Matthews. Who are you taking here? I like the Matthews call, if only because the volume is probably pretty guaranteed for him, at least yeah. to start the year. Um, I'm, I kind of have to take a running back at this point. And for me, that is going to be Jonathan Stewart. I feel like he's the safest of the guys who's available for me. The other guys are similar to who you were looking at. Uh, Jeremy Hill, Deion Lewis. Um, I, I'm not in love with this pick. Just, I mean, for the same reasons you didn't like yours, but uh, I, I kind of just want a, a safe, steady floor. And, and Stewart provides that. Yeah, Stewart definitely does. Pro Football Focus, in fact, said he was one of the top three running backs in football last year in terms of what he accomplished on the field separate from his teammates. That's that's really impressive. And, uh, you know, unless he takes a big step backwards, he could be in line for another very good season. Here at the end of the sixth round, I'm faced with uh, a couple running backs. I don't like uh, Giovanni Bernard, Melvin Gordon. But I do really like Duke Johnson. I was hoping he would make it here back for me. Apparently, he's going to be the workhorse. He was one of the top guys in targets last year out of the backfield, and I'm a huge fan of Duke Johnson this year, so I'm adding him as my second running back. Who do you have, Greg? Yeah, I'm looking at Duke Johnson as well, but I'm going to take another pass-catching running back, and that's one that you mentioned earlier, Giovanni Bernard. Uh, I think that he is the more valuable running back in that Bengals backfield, uh, and I think he's going to have a great year with with a lot of upside in case you know Hill doesn't perform well or gets injured. Tons of upside there if Hill gets hurt. Bernard is still there for me, but there's one guy that I really want to add, and he's going to be my flex player. That's Danny Woodhead. And the reason I like Danny Woodhead is because I really trust Mike Clay, who's now with ESPN. He used to be pro football focus. And one of the great things you can do on Fantasy Pros is you can go look at 140 experts or some number around there. It keeps growing every week. You can look at 140 experts and see who each of them likes more than the others. Mike Clay really likes Danny Woodhead this year. And so because of that, I trust him. I like Danny Woodhead. He's done great in our accuracy competition so far. Yeah, Mike really knows his stuff. So I'm I'm pretty full in terms of my roster at this point. I have both running backs. I have four wide receivers, which covers my flex. So I only have QB and tight end to fill out, but I do like to wait on those positions. So I'm going to start to build some depth here. And I am going to take a flyer on Amir Abdullah. Uh, I don't know if I fully trust that Lions backfield, but as my first bench running back, I like the upside he provides. He was a pretty well-hyped prospect coming out of college, and I think there's a chance he delivers on that in year two. I mentioned last week, I'm not so sure about Abdullah. I think Zach Zenner's going to end up getting a lot of carries, but if Abdullah does prove to be a three-down back, he has loads of potential. I mean, he could be a first-round a first round pick this time next year if, if he ends up getting the carries. Yeah, I think the the real issue is that that offense may not tick without Calvin Johnson, and that's my primary concern. Good point. Yeah, but at this stage in the draft, that is not a bad pick. I mean, that, this is pretty late to get Amir Abdullah. He wasn't there for me. Now, here I am at the end of round eight, and I like Tom Brady sitting there on the board, but I don't like to get my backup QB this late because Jameis Winston and Kirk Cousins are going to be there later, and I'm fond of them this year. So I'm looking at Charles Sims, who, when he got the ball last year, he was Amazing. If Doug Martin goes down, he's going to be great. And if Doug Martin doesn't go down, Charles Sims is still going to catch a lot of passes out of the backfield. But the guy I'm going with, I'm so afraid he's going to be taken. And you guys all know he's my guy, Sterling Shepard of the New York Giants. I'm adding Shepard before someone else grabs him. Very nice. I like Shepard a lot this year, too. I've actually drafted him on many a dynasty roster. 
Uh, I'm looking at a guy who I'm curious on your thoughts on, Bobby. That's Josh Gordon. He's the top of the wide receiver rankings for me. And I'm not really sold on him coming off of that, you know, very long suspension and layoff from playing football. Uh, And we know that he's going to miss the first four games. So I think there's a lot of a risk there to take him. I, I think that, you know, as my first bench wide receiver, it's not a terrible risk at this point in the draft. But yeah. where do you fall on Gordon? You know, I look at what Gordon did in 2014 when he played just five games, and he wasn't all that great. He only had 303 yards, 24 receptions, didn't score a touchdown. And so I feel like uh, we're not going to see the same Josh Gordon that put up 1,600 yards and 87 receptions in 2013. I mean, I get it. He's still 25, so he could get a lot better, but – Something has changed about Josh Gordon, and I'm not saying he's going to be as bad as 60 uh, 60 receiving yards per game, but I don't think he's going to be the same guy. With that being said, at this point in the draft, if he does play 12 games, he's a great value, but the fact that the risk is there that he might not play the games, I'm probably going to avoid him with how high he's going to be drafted. Yeah, looking at the other wide receivers who are available right now for me, though, I I don't really see... All these guys have risk is what I'm trying to say. And at this point, you know, I might at this point in the draft, I think you can really start to gamble on those high risk, high upside plays. So I'm going to take them here and just see how the roster turns out. I mean, this is just a mock draft. (laughs) That's a good point. I take my mock drafts really seriously, though, especially when Ryan leaps on the table. Sure. But I mean, you do have to (laughs) experiment with this stuff over time. I mean, this is how you figure out whether or not these strategies work. And that's what makes a, a tool like this so useful. With my ninth-round pick, Tom Brady's still staring me in the face, but Draft Wizard's telling me that Kirk Cousins is probably still going to be there for me, so I'm going <laughs> to wait on him. And uh, I'm, I'm looking at Charles Sims, but I'm going to go with Arian Foster because I think he's going to win that job there in Miami. And the three games that he started last year, he had over 100 yards from scrimmage from all three of those games. I'm going to take a chance on him, hoping maybe he's healthy, and if he is, he could be a, a, an RB1 again this year. Yeah, I mean, Foster has a lot in common with that Josh Gordon pick I just made where, you know, the upside is certainly there. We've seen what he can do when he's at the peak of his powers. Uh, I, I really do think that's still Jay Ajayi's backfield for now. Um, I think it's going to be turn out to be more of a timeshare. But again, at this point in the draft, yeah, take a shot on that upside. Uh, along those same lines, I'm going to take T'Angelo Williams here. There you uh, go. If only because we know he's going to start the first few games and we saw what he could do in that Pittsburgh offense last season. That's right. Yeah, and, you know, if you look at the top running backs – especially those that have a bunch of carries uh, to their name, like Le'Veon Bell. About 30% of them face injuries at some point in the season for, you know, four, six, 15 games even. And uh, that could very well happen with Le'Veon Bell. And if it does, you know you've got a great running back on your hands with D'Angelo Williams. So I love that pick. Yeah, thanks. Now I'm looking at my roster here, and I still don't have a tight end, but Tom Brady is still there. How? He's, he was long gone in my yeah, career. Yeah, I mean, this it's isn't fair one. at all. You rigged it. <laughs> well, you got Antonio Brown at number two. I guess so. <laughs> I rigged that. I will admit that. Well, here I am, pick 119. Tom Brady's ECR is 89, and I'm taking him. I love it. That is a smoking deal. Uh, the, the important thing to understand with a guy like Brady is, even though we know he's suspended, we also know that we have to replace him for those first few games, and you already have another quarterback to do that. Even if Brady was your first quarterback drafted at this point in the draft, you could still pick up, you know, a Kirk Cousins, a Tony Romo, a Tyrod Taylor, a Jameis Winston, someone else to fill in for those first few weeks. And yeah, there, there's really no risk to taking Brady in a one quarterback league. It gets a little trickier in one of our two quarterback leagues. Yeah. But um, even still, like you could always just draft Jimmy Garoppolo if you wanted to have somebody to cover those first four weeks. And I like their matchups in those first four weeks. So Garoppolo is not a bad option as far as I'm concerned. 
I think they've got a couple of tough ones, but I, I think one of them was against Houston, and and that doesn't look quite as imposing with J.J. Watt potentially on the shelf or not 100%. So who are you taking here in uh, round 11, Greg? So like you, I don't have a tight end. I also don't have a quarterback, so it's it's down to one of those two starter positions or my final bench spot. I am going to jump on the quarterback train here. I'll take Tony Romo. He's a guy who I think is severely underrated after uh, a down 2015. Um I, I love that he gets to throw to Dez. I think that that offense is going to be a lot better with Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield. Uh, there's there's a lot to like about Romo. It's it's easier to forget how good he was just because he was, you know, not on the field last year. You know, when they had that great offensive line going with DeMarco Murray running for all those yards, Tony Romo had a career year. And mm-hmm. now that they have a real good back in Ezekiel Elliott, at least I think he's really good, uh, Romo could bounce right back to that standard. Yep, I agree 100%. All right, in round 11 here, I need a tight end. In fact, for my last two picks, I'm going to take a tight end. And I really like Andrew Luck thrown to Dwayne Allen, but I'm going to go ahead and take Jimmy Graham. And I don't I don't know if Russell Wilson is going to throw a lot of balls to Jimmy Graham, but just knowing how good he is and hoping his shoulder holds up, I'm going to take Graham, and I'm going to follow him up with another high upside tight end in the next round. Okay, as long as you're drafting another tight end to play for you while, while Jimmy Graham is – you know, riding the bench injured, you'll be fine. But I mean, Graham might not play at all this year. And, yeah. and even if he does, it might not be till halfway through the season. He's a guy I'm avoiding at all costs. And uh, like you, I like Dwayne Allen. He's the top ranked tight end for me. But I did draft Dante Moncrief a little bit earlier, and I don't tend to like stacking receivers on the same team. Um, so I'm actually going to pass on tight end one more time. I'll I'll use my last pick on a tight end and I'm going to take Devin Funches. I think that there's a a real chance that he could surpass Kelvin Benjamin as the wide receiver one there for Cam Newton. Uh, I don't think it's a high likelihood, but at this point in the draft, it's worth the gamble. And for me with my final pick, Dwayne Allen is still there. So I'm going to play the safe. I'm going to play it safe and take Dwayne Allen here to round out my team. Yep. And I've got my tight end spot to fill. I'm going to take Martellus Bennett. Uh, I really like the fit with him in New England. Uh, I think, you know, his upside is a little bit capped based on the fact that Gronkowski is there. But we know that Gronk isn't necessarily the picture of health and that the Patriots like to, you know, kind of rein him in sometimes. And I think that's going to open up targets for for Martellus Bennett. I mean, we saw what Aaron Hernandez did even when Gronk was there. So uh, the Patriots can definitely use two tight ends. And don't forget, Martellus Bennett was top five in ECR last year for tight ends. Yeah, I like Martellus Bennett a lot this year. The draft wizard, on the other hand, does not like my draft. It gave me a D plus. Ooh. Well, uh, we can look at some of the details of that. I am Peyton Manning, and I know it's not fair because I work at Fancy Pro, so I've had a lot of practice with this, but I got an 85 out of 100, and I got a B. So let's see where it projects our standings here. It has me here in third place with 710 points. First place has 758, so I'm not too far behind. They really like my bench, but they're not so fond of my starters. How about you, Greg? Uh, same thing. I got a, a 69 out of 100. Cue the Borat voice. Um, I got a very nice bench score, 144. And uh, overall, eighth. And, uh, and my starters are dead last in, in terms of these rankings. Well, you know, if you don't take any chances in Draft Wizard, uh, you're, you're not going to find that sleeper. So uh, a D plus does not mean the end of the world if you're doing this. And, uh, and it gives you a D plus. It doesn't mean too much. But bear in mind, that our experts' rankings do drive these projections. Uh, so Draft Wizard can really help prepare you for your draft. And if you want to use some of these tabs, I'll explain them to you. You've got Draft Analysis here, and you can find that Highlight tab where it's going to highlight steals, 
value picks. And it's telling me I only had one value pick, and that was Dwayne Allen. It was really nice that he dropped me. I'm shocked it's not saying Tom Brady was a value pick because that I think that that was a steal. Pretty um, unbelievable, yeah, actually. Actually, you know what? It says steal two plus rounds. So uh, draft wizards right on the money there. It tells you what reaches you had, and then it gives you an, a team analysis here. And so it's telling me right now I have the number one wide receivers in the league, number one bench in the league, running backs though I'm number eleven, and tight ends number twelve. So not so hot there. Uh, hopefully Draft Wizard isn't right because um, I think I drafted a very good team. But, um, you know, don't we all? Yeah, this actually really likes my wide receivers uh, along with my bench. Number one in both those categories. And admittedly, I, I waited on tight end and quarterback. So it projects me as the, you know, the worst team in those regards. But that's exactly where I want to be. I want to use the waiver wire as yeah. my bench and and stream those positions until I find a starter who, who's really going to come through for me. Yeah, I really do like that strategy. Uh, I'm probably going to be waiting on quarterbacks this year. Um, taking Russell Wilson was kind of a fluke for me. But, I mean, you got him in a good spot, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with getting uh, Russell Wilson and Tom Brady. Definitely not complaining about that. Um, so now we're before we move on to our last segment, I want to do some trivia with you. I've got two questions for you, and you can redeem the title of being Peyton Manning. If you get both of these right, you can trade with me. I'll be Ryan Leaf, and you can be Peyton Manning. I don't know. I do like living in San Diego. <laughs> well, last season, St. Louis was dead last with 57.5 plays per game. Which team had the highest tempo in the league with a whopping 69.9 plays per game? Was it the Eagles? The Texans, the Saints, or the Panthers? I think it was the Texans, wasn't it? That's right. It was the Texans. Yeah. I couldn't believe this when I saw it. Bill O'Brien. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Pushing the tempo. You know, and they were playing from behind a lot, so they did throw the ball a lot. And mostly all those were garbage targets to uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but still, I was really surprised by that with some of these other up-tempo teams in the league. Hey, as fantasy owners, we don't care how those targets come as long as they're coming. Speaking of targets, all four of these guys had a lot of targets last season when they were playing, but which of them had the highest catch rate in football last year? Was it Keenan Allen, Doug Baldwin, Jamison Crowder, or Larry Fitzgerald? That's tough. I, I, I knew the Bill O'Brien Texans one. I do not know this. Uh, I will go out on a limb and guess Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen is a very good guess. He's number two. In fact, all these guys are behind running backs. Uh, a bunch of running backs had higher catch rates than that. But the number one guy, believe it or not, was the rookie, Jamison Crowder. He had 62 receptions last year as a rookie. And he's in a crowded, uh, he's in a crowded uh, receiver core there for, for the Redskins. But I really like Jamison Crowder's skill set. He was great at Duke. And look, he's tiny, but he's one of those guys that finds a seam and he has great hands. I think Crowder is going to be an excellent fantasy wide receiver in a, in a couple years. And this year, I love where he's going in drafts. I'm getting him every single one of my teams. It's going to have to be in a different life. There are just too many wide receivers there in uh, Washington for him to, I think, really get much of a target share. All right, well, let's go on over to the final segment. We're going to be talking about some bounce-back candidates and some reg regression candidates. Um, so tell me, of these two quarterbacks, which one's most likely to have the best bounce-back, Andrew Luck or Aaron Rodgers? Well, if you check out my rankings, either on 2QBs.com or on Fantasy Pros, you will see that I have Luck ranked as my number one quarterback. So he's the answer for me. Uh, I talked a little bit earlier, you know, regarding Dante Moncrief and Dwayne Allen, how I think that that offense is, you know, really set up for a good year. I think they're built to throw. I don't really trust Frank Gore to be able to carry a heavy load anymore. Uh, I think they're going to chuck it a lot, and, and Luck's the guy for me. Th there's also just more room to improve versus expectation for him than with Rodgers. I, I think Rodgers is going to be a top five QB as usual, but Luck's the guy for me. 
And how about these running backs who had rough years last year? DeMarco Murray, Eddie Lacy, Jeremy Hill, and C.J. Anderson. Which one do you like the best? Uh, it's a tough question. I think Lacy's probably set up for the best season, if only because he plays in the, the best offense there. Uh, but I feel like C.J. Anderson is the best value of the four. Uh, I was in on him last year, and I think, you know, turf toe hindered his early season production. But once he started to get healthy towards the end of the year and in the playoffs, we saw that what he could really do. And, you know, Kubiak's going to want to run with Mark Sanchez and uh, Paxton Lynch or Trevor Simeon as his quarterbacks. And I think that their defense will allow them to do that, to run a, a fair amount. And I think that that's going to bode well for C.J. Anderson. You know, if it weren't for Giovanni Bernard, I would say Jeremy Hill in a heartbeat. In fact, if it weren't for Bernard and them sharing all those carries in Cincinnati, I think Hill would be a first-round running back again. But I'm going with Eddie Lacy uh, just because they're not going to be able to stack the box against him. He is really talented. There's a reason he was picked in the top five last year. If he can keep the weight off, he's the guy. Do you buy this, uh, you know, him getting in shape narrative? That's a that's a tough question because who knows? I mean, you've man. seen the photos, right? I mean, the stuff on the social photos. media. He looks good. Like the question is, is how much is that going to actually translate to to football production? We don't really know for sure, but I'm buying it. Like like I said, I think Lacey is probably the best of this group. He's the guy I have ranked the highest. But you know, maybe he just isn't that good at football. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we've seen him deliver in the past, though. That's that's what gives me hope for the for this season. I think he'll be good. Uh, but yeah, I I I'm I was just. I do like to kind of, you know, check the the barometer when it when I talk to other analysts about this. Like, what what do you make of that least situation? Because it's very interesting. You know, he's still in the two forties apparently, so that's that's not good. He's gonna have to keep shedding off the weight. What do you think, JP? Boy, I mean, I've been burned by I think every one of those running backs <laughs> uh, <laughs> over the over the years. Um, but we keep giving Christine Michael chances. Exactly. And I mean, I got burned by Jeremy Hill last year, Lacey the year before. I got burned by C.J. Anderson last year. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see how things shake out a little bit more in camp. I, I like DeMarco Murray a lot. Uh, the Titans offensive line probably isn't one of the best, is it? It's definitely not, but it is much improved. They added yeah. the center. And I mean... I think I'd go with Murray there. I, I like Marcus Mariota a lot, but you'd think that they'd uh, they'd try to. He's still developing, so so let's hand the ball off to Demarco Murray. No concern about Derrick Henry there stealing carries. Uh, sure, I, I mean it's there, but yeah, you have to be concerned a little. Y- yeah, I, I just boy, that's a really tough group. You have a really good group there of of who could bounce back because I, I'm not totally confident i'm not any. fond of any of the four yeah i'm not drafting I, I, any of them i don't think i am either oh see i would definitely draft Lacey and cj anderson from this group and i think there's a point where i would draft hill i'm not touching DeMarco murray with the 10-foot pull <laughs> all right let's move over to wide receivers and we've got another great group here there's five of them jordy nelson des bryant keenan allen alshon jeffrey and kelvin benjamin yeah, I do not trust Jordy Nelson whatsoever. I, this, these concerns around, about his knees are very troubling to me. Uh, and we saw what happened to that offense uh, when he wasn't there. I think that you know if he can't play, that doesn't bode well for anyone uh, on the Packers. I mean, I, I think they'll be fine in general, but they might all be a little overvalued just based upon that you know Packers offense mystique if Nelson doesn't play. Uh, I really like Alshon, and I think that his volume could be huge because I have a feeling the Bears are going to play from behind a lot, but he hasn't really proven to me that he can stay healthy for a full 16 games. 
Yeah. So for, for me, it's Des Bryant. Like he's further removed from injury. Romo was back. I talked about that earlier. And somehow Romo is still underrated. Uh, I think that like we're discounting Romo, we're also discounting Des. Like he was a top three consensus wide receiver last season. And we're only a year removed from that. I think that uh, his situation is a lot like Julio Jones's, where he's, you know, uh, the one key target in a in a good offense. I just think that Dallas's offense is actually better than Atlanta's. Uh, the weapons around him are, are a little bit stronger. Uh, it's Des Bryant for me. Yeah, I think Brian's definitely the best of the group. However, for the value, I already mentioned, I'm really fond of Keenan Allen. And the experts for Fantasy Pros are too. 90% of our experts say he should be drafted over his ADP right now. I mean, I understand Allen was shut down for the season. Uh, there's concerns that it's, it's going to continue. But, I mean, he was 24 years old and was on pace for 134 receptions before the in- injury. You you can't pass up on that upside. No, and that offense uh, is also built to throw, kind of like uh, the Colts, as I discussed earlier. And uh, if you follow Matt Harmon and uh, his uh, reception perception, he's basically shown that Keenan Allen can get open whenever he wants, and that's – Pretty awesome when you have a good quarterback like Phil Rivers. I'd still take Dez and Alshon over him, but I, I agree. Keenan Allen is probably a little undervalued and definitely deserves a, a pretty high consideration in your drafts. Now, you mentioned that you don't think uh, Kelvin Benjamin might end up being the number one wide receiver there in Carolina by the end of the season. Can you expound on that a little bit? I, I actually think that Benjamin probably will be the number one wide receiver, but I okay. think there's enough of a chance that he won't be and that Funches surpasses him. Um, I also just think that that Carolina Panthers offense is going to regress a little bit just because they had such a good year last year that that stuff tends to be difficult to repeat, uh, especially when you have that, you know, target on your back as a, a Super Bowl contender. Um, I, I think that Benjamin will probably be fine. Uh, and I do like his touchdown upside. Uh, I love those big body receivers. I, I like all the guys on this list for that reason. I mean, Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen doesn't fit the profile, but you know, as we've talked about, he's very good anyway. Um, but yeah, I think Benjamin will be fine. I, I would feel comfortable drafting him around his ADP or a little bit lower. All right, Greg, now let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum. These are guys who broke out last year and are probably due for some regression. Uh, But which of them is going to regress the most between Blake Bortles, Kirk Cousins, and Ryan Fitzpatrick this year? So you're saying I I can't pick D all of the above? (laughs) I definitely think they're all going to regress, but which one's going to be the the worst? Yeah, for for me, I think Bortles is the obvious choice. Um, You know, we've heard all the narratives, right? The defense is going to get better. The running game is going to get better. Uh, but for me, it really comes down to the fact that Bortles got away with a lot of mistakes in 2015. More interceptions leads to uh, more early ending drives. And, and we already know that his volume in the red zone is going to go down. Uh, I, I am staying away from Bortles. I mean, I think there's a point where I would draft him, but I'm going to let somebody else overpay because that's just what happens after a guy has a career year like that. I'm right with you with Bortles. You know, I still I like Kirk Cousins a lot. He finished this, the year as the best quarterback in football uh, in terms of fantasy, at least. So I'm not sure he's going to keep that up. I, in fact, I am certain he's not going to keep that up. But I think he'll probably be top five or six this season. I really like Kirk Cousins, um, maybe even to be better than he was last year. But Blake Bortles is my guy for regression. Uh, like you said, Jaguars aren't going to be playing from behind as much. They're not going to be throwing the ball. The tempo is not going to be as much. And really, I think as he gets older, He's not going to quite be the gunslinger that he was last season. And so uh, I don't think he's going to throw for as many yards, as many touchdowns. I think he's going to learn to be more of a game manager, and that's going to hurt him a little bit in fantasy. Getting back to Cousins, his schedule in the second half of last year when he put up those crazy stats was really soft. Uh, We've seen, you know, some people are projecting that the Washington schedule is going to be pretty easy this year as well, but that's something that we're not very good at projecting year to year because defense has changed so much. And because injuries over the course of the year can change, you know, 
what a team looks like. I, yeah. I think that Cousins is another guy who is a little overvalued, mostly just, you know, based on recency bias. We saw him be very good last year, and people want to draft him because of that. Um, yeah. All right, and which of these running backs is going to regress the most? Thomas Rawls, David Johnson, Devontae Freeman, and Danny Woodhead? This was an interesting list to me because I actually like most of these guys. The one guy I don't like, and so it was a pretty easy response for me, is, is Thomas Rawls. It feels like a bit of a cop-out because of the injury concerns and the crowded backfield. Yeah. But I think he's the best choice. I actually I love David Johnson. He's my number two running back this year. Uh, Devontae Freeman, I think, is going to be fine. And Woodhead is just a really crucial part of that offense. I don't think he's going to go away either. There are so many varying opinions on David Johnson. Some people like him as the number one running back in football. I, on the other hand, am not super fond. And the reason for that is, uh, and the reason for that is you look at what CJ Anderson did last year. And you, you mentioned the turf toe. I understand that, but David Johnson was nowhere close to as productive as CJ Anderson yet. Still CJ Anderson imploded. I don't know if we know who David Johnson is. I mean, they've still got some talented running backs in that Arizona backfield, too. So I just think David Johnson's being way overdrafted at this point. Sure, he could end up being the best running back in football, but I'm going to be a little bit skeptical until I see it a little bit more. Um, And I'm the opposite with you on Thomas Rawls. I am getting Thomas Rawls on as many teams as I can. 5.1 yards per carry last year. Uh, He should take over as the lead back. I understand the injury concerns, but in that system— And I know the Seahawks offensive line isn't that great, but in that system, he had six games that he started for 712 rushing yards. That's a great number. He could end up being one of the top running backs in football this year, and he's being drafted in the late fourth round. Yeah, for for me, it's more of a a look back to his actual skill set. Like, Rawls was an undrafted guy. David Johnson had that pedigree. We saw him explosive from day one in the NFL. He was not getting a lot of touches in those early weeks, but the ones he got, he I think he took his first touch to the house for a touchdown in a super impressive fashion. Like the dude is an explosive athlete and, and I I couldn't disagree with you more on this, Bobby. I, <laughs> I love David Johnson. I hate Thomas Rawls. I don't hate Thomas Rawls, but I think that he's probably a little overvalued. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely fourth, not drafting him. The fourth round is, yeah, fine if, if you believe in him, but I, I'm not touching him there. I, I think if he fell to like the sixth or the seventh, I'd consider it. But there are too many other running backs that I like uh, with more receiving upside. Now, how about the wide receivers? We've got Doug Baldwin, who broke out last year and was awesome. Obviously, his touchdowns are going to regress. Uh, Alan Hearns, Alan Robinson, both for the Jaguars, and then Jarvis Landry. Which one of those guys is going to regress the most? Yeah, we talked about Bortles regressing, and that is inherently going to hurt Hearns and Allen Robinson. Uh, but I, I, I mean, you mentioned this. The touchdowns that Baldwin posted last season are completely unsustainable. I think in the seasons previous, he scored like three, four, and five touchdowns each year. Uh, there's no way he gets to double digits again in my mind. And I, for that reason, he's the guy for me. Uh, I think that Landry is an interesting one just because they have so many weapons there now that he could – kind of get pushed out. But that rapport he has with uh, Ryan Tannehill isn't going anywhere. I mean, that that's a really trusted relationship between a quarterback and a wide receiver. And that stuff tends to translate from year to year. I'm not too worried about Landry. I don't think he has a whole lot of touchdown upside, but in a PPR league, he's really good. Uh, for me, it's Baldwin. Yeah, I mean, those touchdowns are, are definitely going backwards. But where Doug Baldwin's being drafted, I feel like so many people are, are knowing that his touchdowns are going backwards that they're forgetting that the yards he put up in those final weeks of the season, starting weeks 10, listen to this, 134, 60, 145, 94, 82, 118, 45, and 46. 
I mean, that's great production. Even without the touchdowns there, he was getting a lot of receptions. And, you know, he's still fairly young. I think he's going to keep getting better. Um, and I don't think that he was a fluke. I think that breakout's going to continue. And I'm trying to get Doug Baldwin on a lot of my teams this year. Yeah, I like owning him this year. I think he's going to be good. I just don't think he's going to be anywhere near as good as he was last year. If we're yeah. just talking about the amount of regression, I think that he's due for the most. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's Alan Hearns. Uh, I, I don't think Alan Hearns is going to be especially impressive this year for fantasy. Alan Robinson's clearly a great asset. And Jarvis Landry was the most consistent receiver in football last year. So I actually think Jarvis Landry might not regress at all. I like him a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on Landry and Robinson. I think that Hearns is probably the second best choice. And, and it makes a lot of sense. It's intuitive that a guy that who makes a lot of his bones uh, on big plays could regress. I mean, we see that year to year with guys like Mike Wallace and Deshaun Jackson. Like sometimes if they're getting, you know, just pass interference calls instead of making catches, that can really cap their upside. I mean, uh, other times when they, you know, make those catches and take them to the end zone, you're going to get a bunch of points. But for the most part, those types of plays are harder to predict. So Hearns is a good choice. So, Greg, you said that the biggest regression candidates are Blake Bortles, Thomas Rawls, and Doug Baldwin. And, Greg, that's all the questions we have for you this week. I really appreciate you coming on. It was it was a blast talking to you, and uh, it was fun doing the Draft Wizard, too. Hey, Bobby, JP, thank you guys for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. I really like what you guys do over at Fantasy Pros. I've been doing – I've been a, an analyst there for quite some time, and, uh, yeah, I, I love being a part of the community in this way. Well, thanks for being a part of it. We really appreciate all you experts. And next week, we're going to have another expert. So make sure you guys all tune on for that. Greg, have a great week. Hey, thanks, Bobby. You guys have a good night. Thank you. Take care. And that's all we have for you on the show this week. If you want to look up Greg Smith on Twitter, his Twitter is at Greg Sauce. And he was a great guest. Next week, we're going to have on another great guest, Jake Seeley of Roto Experts. And we're going to be starting a new segment called The Listener Mailbag, which we also do on our Fantasy Baseball podcast. And this just gets all your questions answered that you want answered. So please go ahead and shoot me an email if you want questions answered. Bobby at FantasyPros.com. And just leave me your first name and the state you're from so I can mention it. Thanks for listening and have a great week. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.